Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John and after a week on vacation, that's Ian. I'm back from Canada. It was fun. Oh, Canada. Yeah, it was it was a much needed vacation. <laughs> yeah. But still it was fun. Vacations are always nice. Oh yeah. I got to actually play a Canadian Highlander in the store um, it, in Yellow Jacket in Victoria on Monday. I went 03 Milkshake. I mean, 03 Milkshake te- is te- kind of one of the best. Technically, it's one of the best phrases I've heard in Magic te- in a while. Technically, it's 02 Milkshake, but I decided I'm in Canada. I'm at Yellow Jacket. I'm playing Canadian Highlander, which I barely ever get to play, and I might as well go. Um, I had a lands opponent just go infinite life on turn three. Ooh. Fast Bond is a hell of a card. Yeah, Fast Bond's not fair magic. Oh, and Ramanop Excavator. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair magic. <laughs> they, like. It was like turn one fast bond, turn two Ramonop excavator, uh, and then a, a knight of the reliquary as well because it was just all fetch lands. They were just like boop, got my fetch lands back. They went down to like uh, ten life, and then they had enough mana still to produce a um, a white mana to get the tutor that goes the white tutor mystical oh to get zero orb yeah to get zero orb put zero orb on top of the library draw the next turn play zero orb on turn three and just go and sack all my lands bring them all back with rabbinac excavator sack them all it's like yep. so you gain you lose a life to bring it to play the land but you're gaining two but off you're of gaining them. two off of the zero orb so you're losing one off yep. the fast bond yeah, it was it was disgusting yep and i like to be fair my mana base did me no favors that 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 whole evening, I think one game out of six, it was a it was a decisive. I think, o two o two o two. Um. Uh oh. Yeah, one game of six, I got above six lands. Ouch. Uh, there were a couple games I was stuck on two, some on three. Yeah. Yeah. It it was uh, it was one of those like, yeah. Well, you know, that's magic. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not sure if the o three milkshake is better than the five one split off of a factor fiction. Wow. The the 5-1 split being five cards and a $1 bill. <laughs> oh, my God. I, remember, I Oh, man. It's been a while since I've seen that one. That's a good yeah. one. It's like, that is really good. Take the dollar. Just, just take, take the dollar. <laughs> Come on. You know you want it. Anyways, uh, today is July 26th. This is episode 65. Got to study to pass the class uh, because we're going to be talking about uh, testing for tournaments, because this weekend is uh, Pro Tour Hour of Devastation, which starts at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the day you're listening to this on Thursday, or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is also 9 a.m. on Friday in Kyoto. Because fun with time zones. Yeah. Time zones are fun and enjoyable and totally not awkward when the Pro Tour ends at 4 a.m. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> It's like the worst. The worst part is is be, like now. I'm not saying the worst part. It's just from a subjective kind of view. And we'll talk about this later. Is like if you want to watch standard, you basically got to stay up all night. Get your Red Bulls ready. You got to be a night owl or catch them on the replay because they're because well, they're going to be showing the replay of each day. To be fair, day one standard. Yeah, if you want to see it live, have Red Bulls ready because like day one standard is basically people who work will or SOL. Yep. Pretty much. Anyway. But that's one bit of our eyes in the community. The other bit is there is a cool Kickstarter that's going on right now that still has uh, 10 days to go. Um, 
Ian, tell us about Magic the Sheffening. Okay, so Magic the Sheffening is by Magic streamer uh, Mr. Lubufu. That's L-U-B-U-F-U, or just Lucas. Uh, you might have recognized him. He did his own year of streaming uh, most recently. Mm-hmm. Just finished it up a couple months ago, I think it was. But this, uh, the, the subtext subtitle for this is The Only Flavor Text is Deliciousness. Um, so basically, it's a web series involving making Magic the Gathering-oriented recipes. Um so this background set from the Kickstarter, which we'll link in the show notes, said for the past seven years, I've produced tons of Magic Gathering content from opening packs, gameplay, strategy, lore, and more. I've had diverse video topics and many near, and made nearly 1,500 videos. Additionally, I've streamed countless hours of Magic Online, including completing the 365-day challenge, and now I've cooked up a new idea, Magic the Chefening. I want this to be my next major undertaking and would like your help. I've actually guessed it on one of his streams one time, way back in the day. Good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah but is good is good people. Yeah, so in terms of community members, like, highly recommend doing this. Um, there's a couple things you back at a dollar, like, and or five bucks, you'll get two two days of ad-free early access to videos and stuff like that. Name in the credits of every video. It's so like five dollars, get your, even one dollar, get your name in the credits. Just one dollar. Mm-hmm. And they are, he's currently at 410 of 650, so he's close. So yeah. get there. But some of the, some of the fun recipes, chicken parmigoyf. Which is a good one. Yep. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Protein Hulk. Yeah, Protein Hulk's a pretty good one. I like the, the, the one of the stretch goals at 750. There's a gourmet special called Permicious, Pernicious Mead. Play, uh, the playoff mm. of Pernicious Deed. Permicious, pernicious I mean, there's deed. also just The Cheese Stands Alone, which is a play on which is a play off the card. The Cheese Stands Alone. It's a fondue cheese plate. It's good stuff. Yeah. Who doesn't like fondue exactly. cheese? But no, yeah, uh, if you guys are looking for some fun magic chef food based stuff in your life go check it out the link will be down in the show notes yep uh and uh for those of you who listened last week and are continuing to listen thank you for uh joining me after my uh 15 minutes of mild insanity last week oh come on it wasn't um, that bad dude it was not that bad i i admit um and did you have any thoughts on that before we get into testing um i'm sad to see the promos go uh it sucks that we're not gonna get a new avenue for art in terms of card art, like we used to with the FNM promos, I'm sure they'll do something. You know, there's they didn't mention that they're not going to do the GP promos. Yeah. So we're still going to get art from there, but it's, you know, still going to be a yeah, shame. Yeah, we're still getting GP promos. We're still getting game day promos, buy a box promos, launch day promos. We're still getting all those promos. Yeah. Um, it's just, just cutting down a little bit. Yeah. Um, tokens. I listened to your point. You had some good points with tokens. Um, honestly, like kind of almost a cottage industry is built up now about making your own tokens like cardamom jigs they do amazing job but yep. some official tokens are always nice to have um foil ones are good to have but this just gives people a different chance to express themselves by their tokens which a lot of people usually will express themselves so i it's 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 a shame that's going away but at the same time let's see how it plays out i was kind of upset but it's just like the initial knee-jerk reaction let's see how let's just Give a little bit, because Wizards, like you like you mentioned, Wizards has definitely shown a propensity to look at what's happened and change it on the fly. And yeah. they've been doing that a lot lately, which is great. So, Yeah. I mean, also, it's everyone's knee-jerk reaction of, you're taking my toys away, don't take away my toys! Meh. So. Whatever. In any case. Let's move on to testing, because, uh, A, it's modern season for PPTQs, and you know how much we love modern. Uh, the Pro Tours this weekend... And Ian is prepping for a different tournament this weekend. Uh, 
which is the uh, Card Card Kingdom Rags to Riches tournament. Yeah. Uh, so that's a pauper tournament, <laughs> which is fun. So we're, we're kind of doing this to give an example of you can test for your FNM. You can test for something like a Rags to Riches. Now, uh, what Rags to Riches does is it gives players a way to play pauper, which is all commons format. And it gives you a way to get in and get some modern staples. Uh, for instance, first place is a Liliana. A of the Veil. Liliana Veil, Scalding Tarn. Um, oh, man, I had it in front of me. <laughs> Liliana Veil. I mean, I know in previous years they've had, like, Cavernous Souls, Expedition Verdict Catacombs. Yeah. Um, well, not, not Expeditions, really. It's just been more of... Um, right. Uh, here it is. Got it. Okay, so we got Liliana Veil, Tarmogoyf. Scalding Tarn and a Misty Rainforest for first, or equivalent store credit for all of these options. For second, you get a Goyf, Tarn, and a Rainforest. Third and mm-hmm. fourth is a Tarn and a Rainforest. And fifth through eighth is a Misty Rainforest. So well, there you go. if you get fifth through eighth place, you're at least walking out with like a 40 some dollar card. Yeah. Which is not bad. You get first place, you're walking out with a bunch of stuff. And like I said, you also get store credit. So you can just literally take that like 30 to $40 worth of store credit that the uh misty rainforest is worth and turn it into another pauper deck because car kingdom sells cars it's also mox boarding house too but oh yeah i mean is it mox boarding house is the brick and mortar and card games the online store now uh that's hard to distinguish the two yes that's basically how um so you hear people mention card king all the time so both brick and mortar stores both their bellevue and seattle based locations are now mox boarding house their online storefront is still car kingdom Okay, and I was right. So Misty Rainforest Modern Masters 2017, 35 bucks. Yeah. So you walk out there with either Misty or $35 in store credit to Car Kingdom, yeah. which is value. So, Plus it's only like like I think it was 10, 5 10 bucks to enter or something like that. Yeah. Which was not bad at all. So the first question we kind of get out of the way cuz we've talked about this before is testing. Uh usually kind of a shortened of the word playtesting. Uh, where basically you are prepping for a tournament, you're prepping for, you know, you know, FNM, you're prepping for a PPTQ, you're prepping for an RPTQ or a GP, and you're just, you know, you're playing the format to try to figure out, you know, what's the secret to the format? Is there any secret tech um, for older formats like Modern Legacy, playing your deck to make sure that it's, you know, still viable and what you need to play around? Uh, it's just basically trying to give you a, 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 a as accurate idea of kind of the metagame that we talked about before, or kind of the local scene is going to be for a particular event. Yeah, like for me, for instance, with this Pauper tournament, I used to play Morositron a lot last year. I haven't had a chance to actually touch my Pauper deck in about maybe seven to eight months. Who knows what the meta looks like now? My deck has changed a little bit. I have cards I need to pick up when I go to the store this weekend, but I'm doing this to get myself, you know, shake off the rust because Tron is not an easy deck to play regardless of the format it's in. And especially in a, in a format where you have Brainstorm, Ponder, and Preordain available to you, which is insane. Because um, remember, Pauper Shirt has its own ban list, which is slightly weird, but it's actually... It's basically of... all the all the broken things. Um, yeah, so some of your Storm payloads are not going to be there, like the... Uh... You don't get Grape Shot, you don't get Empty the Warrens, you don't get Temporal Fissure. Yeah, and they've got some other kind of busted cards like Peregrine Drake, which... And, Treasure Cruise. Um, yeah, Treasure Cruise. Ones that help you cheat on mana. Um, the Cloud of Fairies to help, you know, with the flicker. Yeah. Those things were crazy. 
But yeah, what so I need I I need to figure out what the format is. And since those cards were actually legal back when I last was playing it, it's like, all right, what's what's around now? Affinity's still around, other ones are still around too, but yeah, you need to see it. For John, he's testing for a modern PPTQ now. So he's got a he's testing some tweaks with the storm deck. Uh, if you're testing for the Pro Tour, you're going to be in a... Usually, you go to a house. Like, we'll talk about, like... We're not going to be able to give you the pro side of the thing, but, like, Wizards does an absolutely amazing job of producing video content now with uh, Brian David Marshall going to these testing houses, and they've been doing it for the last couple of Pro Tours, and it's been amazing. So we get a little bit of a look inside how these guys test and stuff like that. Each team has their own different little way, but... Testing, though, mm. you just test. You play the you can there's a couple different ways to do it. You can play the deck in what's called a gauntlet. So you can kind of proxy up a bunch of decks, like known decks in the metagame. So for instance, with modern, you would obviously have a Grixis Death Shadow deck, you'd have probably a Storm deck, an Affinity deck, an Obzon based deck. What else, John? Um, so other popular modern decks would include like uh let me see, Ad nauseum, Lantern would also be pretty popular um burn and it's infinite varieties um zoo zoo which is kind of zoo and burn have kind of you know like kind they've, of run together now well they've come then, in like, and they've like they weave in and out with each other yeah and then oh, like the collective company vizier decks. yeah vizier company or vizier combo yeah so so stuff like that you need you can test with paper gauntlets of you know just whatever and one person could be the gauntlet tester where they have one deck and they're taking against the gauntlet of everything, or you kind of mix and match, get some play back and forth. People exchange decks, different ways to do that. You can also just goldfish it, which is kind of like the nickname for taking a deck and playing a literal dumb opponent. Um, kind of like a whole like goldfish in a bowl. Like it's just a goldfish. It's just sitting. You're just there. playing. You're just playing the cards that, that you draw off the top of your deck and trying to see, you know. What would I do on this turn? What would I do on that turn? Does some, does this happen on this turn? Or is there something I need to worry about? Should I be playing around stuff? Goldfishing is is less reliable depending on what deck you're playing. Because if you're playing an aggro deck, goldfishing is a pretty good indicator for how a deck runs. Yeah. You can... Whereas if you're playing a control deck, well, you have you know counter spells and removal spells. And you need to figure out when you need to cast them. Sit. And Without playing against someone who's actually committing things to the board, you won't. Yeah, or situational card spells, or card draw spells, where it's like, okay, I'm going to pass a turn. I have a counter spell, and I have a card draw spell in hand. If my opponent plays something, I'll counter it. If they don't, I'll draw some cards. So you can't really like be like, okay, this situation, I just drew some cards. You can, but you're not going to get a whole lot of good testing out of it. Um, yeah. For something like a linear combo deck, like Infect back in the day, I could goldfish the first five turns of an Infect thing, and assuming that opponent would have zero removal, which you know they always have it, um, you can kind of like practice through just your your land strategies, um, how you want to play. Okay, do I lead with a noble hierarch or do I lead with one of my Glistener elves or those kind of things? It's like how do you actually your play pattern? Your your first, it's kind of like a football game. Uh, with football, players and coaches and stuff and teams will map out like the first five or six plays of a game. Then they just go straight to their playbook and they'll call plays situationally according to the thing. If you have an idea of what your deck wants to do in its first three to four turns, 
granted your if your deck is not a combo deck that will win in three to four turns you can kind of like get yourself set up and know okay with this kind of hand with this kind of board situation what do i need to be playing into what this kind of thing it actually helps you build those basic building blocks of what my deck is trying to do or what it needs to do in the early game to get it to the mid game where anything can happen because you I mean, can't the big thing because you can't you can't fishing yeah yeah the big thing with gold fishing is making sure that your sequencing in the early turns is correct yeah because you can't be something like blue red control and standard and be like okay i know my late game is torrential gear hulk how do i get there am i yeah, burning control things? Decks, am i yeah the best situation you have there is like i'm going to play this wandering fumeral on turn one then I'm going to play my Spiral of Canal so that I have two mana untapped and I can do anything from my hand or whatever. Yeah, there, there's there's so many different like play patterns where you can like, you know, okay, my deck, for instance, like that, you're mentioning like Wandering Fumeral. For my, my Pauper deck, plays tap, enter ETB tap lands. I want my ETB tap lands in my hand to play on turn one, like all the time. Like if I can afford, like I usually want to play them on turns one and three because I can leave permission up on turn two. So let's go ahead and move on then to the Rags to Riches tournament, which is Popper, because you're playing Marasatron. Okay, so Marasatron, I'll put a link to the deck that I'm particularly playing. It So when you click on the link, just going to give you a fair warning, it says Dinrovatron, which is not the deck I'm playing. There's a couple different... Uh, I was talking about this in my stream last night. Uh, I've been actually streaming this, which part of the testing thing, you can actually stream it and play as well. Um, there's kind of three schools to Tron in Pauper. There's the Stoppy Tron, Stoppy Tron, which is like mono green, which is what you would expect. Just play a bunch of ridiculous big green creatures using Tron to help power out and cheat on mana costs. Uh, you have kind of the mid-rangey Marasa Tron, which is what I play, which has kind of a combo-y finish to it if you want to. Um, basically the game is designed to, you control the early game with some situational burn spells. You can kind of clog up the ground with some uh, Seagate Oracles. Once you get your Tron on Tron pieces online, which for those of you who don't know when we're saying Tron, it's the Urza Tron lands. Um, Urza's mine, Urza's power plant, and Urza's tower that read when each, each one of them has a clause on it says, when you control one of each of the three lands, it will let you, instead of just tapping for one mana, it will tap for two, or in the case of Urza's Tower, three. So if you have all three lands out on turn three, you have seven mana, seven colorless mana available to you. And it's called Tron because when you get all three, it's like you've assembled Voltron, which is from the old 80s cartoon. Yeah, it was Jokes. old old school magic stuff, or old school players. Uh, so it also has stuff like uh, prophetic prisms, which can help you filter your those colorless uh, mana into actual colored ones. We have to pay into an artifact. Uh, usually the deck will win by pecking at you to death with Moldrifter. I have basically taken an opponent from 20 to 2 on the back of one Moldrifter. I did it last night. It was great. Um, or you can kind of just stall the game out, control the board, buffet your own life totals with stuff to cast a Rolling Thunder, which is an X red red fireball. Uh, target any number of creatures or players and deal X damage to them. Yep. Or spread across that damage, I should say. Well, you can distribute it however you like, but yeah. Point yeah. being, it kills people. Yeah. This, so, this, so this deck is basically a blue-red control deck that has a massive mana endgame, but it has Capsize, which is a great card that is one blue-blue with a buyback of three, which is buyback was an old mechanic where you had a buyback and a cost associated with it, where you pay the buyback cost and it's as an additional cost when if you do 
you put the card back into your hand instead of the graveyard. So you'd cast the spell and it'd go back to your hand with buyback. It's broken. Yeah, but capsize is one blue blue with a buyback of three. So for four blue blue, you return target permanent to its owner's hand. Now, remember, Tron gives you seven. <laughs> if you can filter broken. if you can filter it, you just tap three lands, you can bounce things. By the time you're on a quote-unquote capsize lock, you're basically just like bouncing to your opponent's permanence a turn. It, it says permanence, not non-land permanence. It's lands, too. You can just make all your bounce all your lands back in your opponent's hand, pass the turn, they play one land, bounce the land, bounce start bouncing creatures. They play a land, bounce the land, bounce the rest of their creatures. They're sitting with having to discard, and you're just like, I have 20 lands out. What up? Yeah, but the namesake, but the namesake of the deck is Pulse of Marasa, the common from Oath of the Gatewatch. Two and a green, instant return target creature or land card from your graveyard to its owner's hand. You gain six life. That combos with a card called Mnemonic Wall. So you use, use a card, use a card like Muldrifter, which has invoke cost. You play it, but you bounce it to the graveyard, or it goes to the graveyard um, instead of stay on the battlefield for a cheaper cost. But you draw two cards off of it. So you basically pay two and a blue, draw two cards. And then you can use Pulse of Marasa to get it back and then play it when you have five lands out. And then it sticks as a 2-2 flyer that draws you two cards. And then you play a Mnemonic Wall, which is one in a blue. That's It's a Defender 0-4 creature wall. When, when it enters the battlefield, you may return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So you just bounce it back to your hand and you can chump off a thing and play Pulse of Marasa back, getting six life, get a creature back, play Mnemonic Wall, bounce it back. Or you can also capsize your own mnemonic wall to bounce it back ad nauseum. It's gross. I love the deck uh, because of that. And there's also a Din like that's the mid mid range Tron. I kind of went on a tangent because I love the deck. Dinrovatron is something that kind of uses ghostly flicker, uh, which is two in a blue exile um, to. Uh, it's up to two uh, creatures, artifacts, I mean, or lands, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I just I just pulled it up. Exile two target artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under control. So you want to basically, if you have a mnemonic on Dinrova Horror on the battlefield, then you have Tron established, you can just bounce both of them almost ad nauseum. Because you basically cast the Ghost of Flicker, bounce them, Ghost of Flicker goes to the graveyard. They both enter the battlefield. You can use Dinrova Horror which is a four blue and a black four four when it enters the battlefield return target permanent to its owner's hand then that player discards a card so you basically start bouncing all of your opponent's things back to their hand but the mnemonic wall targets the ghostly flicker that just got put in the graveyard you return it back to your hand you cast it again then you bounce both of those you remove a perm it's disgusting it's more of a controlly kind of deck if you like just messing with your opponents pick up one of these tron decks but to goldfish I can't really goldfish a permissive deck like this because it runs a lot of counter spells, a bunch of burn spells. Um, funnily enough, Lightning Bolt is not the best removal in this format. Flame Slash is one of the better removals in the format. <laughs> yeah, one red deal four to a creature, pretty good. Yeah, especially in a format like uh, Prop Popper, which actually has a surprisingly high power level. Yeah, a lot of the um, Monarch cards actually are X fours. <laughs> Which Monarch, Monarch, Monarch added a wrinkle to it with, uh, yeah, Palace Jailer and uh, Marchessa's Rose. I've seen both. Is Palace of Jailer a common? I thought Palace Jailer was an uncommon. Oh, Palace Jailer, or no, not Palace Jailer. There's one other one that's no. I'm sorry, Palace Jailer is the one I played in uh, Highlander. There's another one. Um, there is. Oh man, 
I know I know exactly which card it is. So anyway, so what? Talking about. So for a deck like mine that's permissive, running a bunch of those, a bunch of counter spells and stuff like that, mystical teachings and other things where I need to know what my opponent's played, I have to goldfish a hand. So I mostly goldfish to just check on my lands. So like I, I drew a seven, it had a, a ETB tap land, so swift water cliffs, which gains me a life. So I play that turn one. I have two of the three Tron lands. I have a Mold Drifter, I have a Pulse of Marasa, I have a Capsize. So it's one of those, if I can just get the green mana for Pulse of Marasa, I can cast Mold Drifter on turn three, draw a bunch of cards, hopefully hit something that can let me cast that, and the next couple cards actually do have an Expedition map, so I can hit Tron if I wanted to, or grab my green source. So it's a kind of a really fun deck. Goldfishing is not bad. Streaming is one thing I've been doing a lot too to actually play the games, learn this, learn the uh, some of the uh, the meta because technically the meta is basically the same online as what you'll see at this tournament. Um, Popper is mostly played online. Uh, it's very rare to see an actual paper tournament, which is why it's amazing to have something like Card Kingdom or now Mox host these kind of events. So uh, the common you were thinking of was Thorn of the Black Rose. Thorn of the Black Rose. Which is a 1-3. Yeah, there's also a white one. Oh, the um, Palette Sentinels. That's it, the Sentinels, not the Jailer. The Sentinels, yeah, yeah. the 2-4. But yeah, X-4s are really hard to hit in that format. If you guys like, like... Now, the funny thing about Pauper, and I'm saying it's mostly an online format, is because of how cards came out online. There are certain cards that are worth $25 online that aren't in paper uh gorilla shaman being the key one that card online is about a 15 to 20 dollar card in paper it's a literal 20 cent common yeah and then there's weird ones like hydroblast and um pyroblast it's 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 weird yeah so my deck right now is about 120 dollars online of that 120 dollars online about 80 of it comes in the form of nine cards (laughs) That eighty so it's not the Tron lands. That those those nine cards could buy you the deck and paper nearly twice over. <laughs> the deck and paper is forty five bucks. Yeah, which is not bad at all. Yeah, it's and there's other very, cheaper, there very affordable. Other cheaper options. There's budget options for Pauper out there too for online. It's a fun format. Check it out. We'll probably talk about it at some point. I want to get one of the the Pauper aficionados on at some point. Yeah, Pauper is super sweet. It's surprisingly powerful, too. Well, yeah, like I said, it's kind of legacy light. Almost um, interesting Like you have Brainstorm, Ponder, and Preordain all legal in the format. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's goofy. But in a kind of pseudo less powerful, but still ridiculously powerful format, modern, John, PT- PPTQ season. What's up with that? Uh, so I'm playing Storm because it's good again. Like you and do. Because I would, there's no other deck I would, I would rather play. Um, and my testing is basically, you know, playing with friends here in the local area or playing on Magic Online. Um, there's actually a store that has a modern night on Wednesdays, uh, but obviously we record on Wednesday nights, so kind of not being able, not able to play modern in a store. My, but my bad. You could always talk to me about that. <laughs> it's 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 not you. It's me. Um, Damn. I like it's always me and sequencing. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Dude. Um, but jokes aside. Um, yeah, playing Storm, it's, um, it's much better now with Gifts Ungiven and, um, Baral and, you know, 
I had a really fun time. I was talking to one of my friends, Devin, who went down to the SG Open for the team one where he was playing Eldrazi Tron. And he was asking me all about, like, the different storm lines and, you know, trying to, and, like, probing and seeing, like, how what he should expect if he runs against Storm. And I'm like, well, Storm is still, no one agrees on how Storm should be built for the most part. I mean, the Gifts on Given Storm's decks are pretty set in stone at this point. It's still hilarious to me how there's the there was the huge debate over whether you should be, be playing Faithless Looting versus Desperate Ravings in Storm uh, before Brawl got printed and Probe got banned. Um, that that conversation always cracks me up. But uh, I was trying some new cards out because um, there's new cards get added every set, obviously. And for Modern, we have to look at Standard. And, you know, there was one card that I saw that I saw get printed. I'm like, this card's pretty good. I think Storm can run this. And it's Hazard's Undying Fury. Mm. Um... <laughs> Which, for those of you who may not remember what it does, it is uh, four red red for a rare sorcery. And uh, it says, uh, shuffle your library, then exile the top four cards. You may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost five or less from among them without paying their mana costs. And lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. It's it's widely considered the quote-unquote worst of the exert yourself cards. <laughs> It pretty much is, I think. I, I saw a Reddit thread on r slash Spike saying that uh, there's a magic streamer, Darkest Mage, who thinks that it's actually just a bomb or playable. Oh, Michael. I'm not there yet for limited, but uh, as far as modern's concerned, um, basically this effect, um, which uh, Mark Rosewater actually mentioned Hazard's Undying Fury in his card-by-card -card stories as an EDH seed. Because they're trying to expand what Red can do in EDH. Because that's one of Red's biggest weaknesses in that format. With trying out this, a, a card like Hazard and Dying Fury. The thing is, it's a poor per, it's a poor man's mind's desire. Which is uh, four blue blue sorcery. Shuffle your library, then exile the top card from it. Uh, you may cast that spell without paying its mana cost this turn. Uh, and it ha also has Storm. So Mind's Desire um, was printed back in Scourge. And Mind's Desire is broken for... Many number of reasons. I've uh, played it in mainly, cube. It's hilarious because you can use in like in in forty in sixty card formats where you can play multiples. You can mind's desire into another mind's desire, and then you just keep going off. Um, normally, it's a storm payload where you you mind's desire, then you hit your storm payoff like a grape shot or a uh, tendrils of agony, and then you just go and drain you or brain freeze and mill you out. Um, Whereas when you look at Undying Fury, it has the clause where it has to cost five or less. So that, that negates being able to cast Hazard's Undying Fury, hit another Undying Fury, and go again. Um, and basically, I'm trying out on the sideboard uh, of Storm. Like, this is not a main deck card. I don't think this is a main deck card. Even with Gifts Ungiven, you know, being able to fetch up one-ofs, I don't think that this card is worthy of a main deck slot. I'm, that, my opinion might change on that depending on future testing but for now it's a sideboard card and my intent is to bring it in against attrition heavy decks so decks with like things like thought seas or inquisition of kozilek or you know creature or like really efficient creatures like you know tarmogoy for bob or whatever that really try to one for one me and try to attack your hand and try to get you low on resources hazards and dying fury could be you know it could be a blank it could hit four lands unlikely in an 18 land deck but it could uh, or it can hit, you know, two to three, maybe even sometimes four spells, which in general I'm probably going to be happy with anyways. And, you know, a lot of my friends I've talked about here locally are like, well, your lands don't untap. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this to set up for next turn. 
Undying Fury is what I is what I would need to go off that turn, considering the fact that you know my hand has been has been torn to shreds or whatever it is. Like it's not a, but it's not a you know, it's, it's not a card that I'm going to cast trying to go off unless I really absolutely have to. It's your oh crud button. Yeah, because it can hit four spells, and I've cast it twice on Magic Online. Once the person called me garbage and conceded, even though I hit land, land, grape shot, and uh, gifts ungiven. Uh, Grape Shot was for eight, killed their Siege Rhino, their Noble Hierarch, and then domed them for two. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's that's when they replied with garbage, because then I was resolving Gifts Ungiven, and they conceded, and that was game three, so anyways. Win! And then the other time, <laughs> the other time I hit Land, uh, Pyretic Ritual, uh, Serum Visions, and I think the other one was Goblin Electromancer. No, no, it was Electromancer, Remand, Ritual, and a Land. And I cast Electromancer... Uh, ritual remand remanded my electromancer so i could draw a card and i had a brawl in play so i got to loot it was great sounds nice (laughs) um and is this card you know quote good no it's not good i think that you know looking at standard and looking at limited you know it it's a very swingy card but storm is also a very swingy deck and if hazards on dying fury blanks it's gonna blank hard but if it hits oh man Pacha meme hits just right. <laughs> just right. But, and, you know, in a deck like Storm, I'm okay with having incredibly swinging cards. Like, my sideboard is pretty set against most decks. It's just that the aggressive hand, dis- hand disruption decks that really hurt Hazard to Dying Fury. Plus, I can cast it for, like, five mana. And I've got rituals. So being able to cast, being able to get to the five mana necessary to cast it, or six mana, is not going to be that hard. Yeah, so... But it's just one of those things that this is where testing, being it with your buddies locally or online, it's a card if, you know, you're, you're by yourself, you might not see if it's worth it. Um, obviously, it's going to take a lot of cyborg games to, you know, get a good feel if it's right. Correct? Yeah, like I've only passed it twice. So that's not enough data points to really justify whether or not this, I think this card is good or not. So, so now, we'll see. okay, so if you're testing and you want to specifically test this card, so how do you kind of test the thing? Would you, now would you, with your friends, have a pre-side, basically a, not pre-side, a already sideboarded deck fighting against each other? Be like, okay, this is like essentially game two. Yeah, I would totally do that because... I mean, one of the most important games in Magic are your sideboarded games because you are guaranteed to play more, at least as many sideboarded games as, as main deck games. And you're likely going to play more because, you know, need, sometimes you might need a game three. So I would, there's definitely times where I've been like, I just want to test the sideboard games. I don't, I don't need to worry about me upfront. I know this matchup's good or I know this matchup's bad or I, I know this matchup's like play draw dependent or draw dependent or whatever. And I just want to test the sideboard games. And that's definitely something that is more doable on, in paper versus on Magic Online. Although it is it is possible on Magic Online. I mean, granted, you can kind of scum a little bit. And by scum, I mean, like, you can just go into the, the free-for-all rooms yeah. and just start jamming against a bunch of players. I mean, it's kind of bad taking a, a heavy or a full-price deck into some of these just for fun. Or you yeah. take it into the, uh, this, the singleton... Uh, you know, tournament Look, testing. I played against rooms. Tron in one of the in one of the you know just for fun rooms. Okay, it. In... Yeah, I played against an Eldrazi deck one time with like yeah. a weird when I was first coming up with like a mono green budget infect. It was just it was I was like, what is this? What even is this? But there's there's, there's we're just kind of I kind of want to bring that up just because there's many different ways to go about. Hey, this is a couple pet cards I want to test. I know 
for a while I was testing Monastery Siege in my Infect sideboard instead of the uh, Wild Defiance. Wild Defiance. Yeah, just because I it was more of a instead of it, instead of damage based, I wanted something because Wild Defiance gives plus three plus three when it's targeted. So yeah. basically, you try to bolt it, it becomes out. It, it puts itself out of range. But with something like uh, Monastery Siege, attack, there's a mode that taxes them where they have to pay two to tar- basically to target it. So it taxes their mana, whether it taxes me, it, it gives me and my creatures like this shield where it's like, yeah. you want to thought seize me? Your thought seize is going to cost you three mana. I mean, also for what it's worth, in a, there was a period of time in Storm where I, where I was actually playing Anticipate. Um, I was playing two copies of Anticipate and two copies of Sleight of Hand instead of four copies of Sleight of Hand just to see if the extra dig was worth it. Eh, jury was still out, but... Yeah. Either way, you got Sleight of Hands. <laughs> I had Sleight of Hands. Anyways. It's so, fun. that's that's basically it for me in Modern because Modern is a format that rewards you for knowing your deck um, and, you know, sure, I could, you know, go pick up, you know, whatever the best deck is right now. It could be Affinity, it could be Lantern, it could be whatever, but... I'm comfortable with Storm. I know how to play Storm. And that's why I'm going to play at these upcoming events. Yeah, so one thing kind of just before we move on to the pros is kind of at a mid-level testing thing. John says, oh, yeah, he's got some buddies and stuff, plays locally. Well, Discord and Slack have become an amazing tool to use. People were using other um, mediums in before, like little like you know, message boards and email chains and ch- little chat rooms on all the like IRC and stuff like that. It, it's, a, it's a web client chat client kids go go ask your parents about it <laughs> if but uh so these so things like discord now um we have one for the local group that john hangs out with um in nashville uh, that has like general a general channel a drafting a tournament one limited standard modern commander legacy and a spoiler channel and we have voice channels available too so if we want to pop in you know goldfish some stuff or talk about it or you know it's really kind of interesting to dig through like each of the channels and i know i get tagged for crazy random inane stuff all the time now because a lot of the guys in the group never met me but they know john and they listen to the podcast hi guys um (laughs) so they you know they kind of get a feel for them they know what my likes and dislikes and kind of things that i'm looking at with magic and they'll you know tag me and stuff or i'll tag them and stuff so i mean we've had Vinny on the show He's yep. one of the guys who's in the, the gaming group. So it's kind of cool to have stuff like that. So even if you are geographically away from people, you can actually test. Skype is a great thing to do too. You can you know, just point your camera down at your desk. And I've played against my girlfriend, <laughs> not even testing, just like we had our draft decks from, or we had our decks from a pre-release and wanted to play each other. And it's yeah. like, okay, you're, across, you're like an hour or two away from me. Let's just play some magic together. <laughs> it's, there's ways to play magic. And ways to like actually just get some games in. The internet has made our incredibly large world very, very small. But pros take it to an nth degree and make it smaller by jamming people into little tiny houses. Because remember that the the prize for first place at the Pro Tour is $50,000. As well as 30 Pro Points, which is essentially the fun bucks of, of, the, pro, of the Pro Scene. But when the stakes are that high, you know... You're not gonna, you know, I want, slow your roll. Look, You're gonna go as hard as you can. I wouldn't say 30, 30 pro points is fun bucks, dude, considering they get you like silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which at least I gets mean, you appearance fees and other kinds of crazy yes. fun perks. 
I was being facetious, but yes. I know. I had to mention it. You know, <laughs> I know you can be yeah. facetious, but yeah. So testing houses, testing camps, draft camps, these are things you've heard. You, if you follow pros on Twitter, you, you see get thrown around around this time of year, uh, around the times of the, the pro tours. It's the thing where before, you know, you just have a couple people get together for a draft camp and then, you know, or a couple buddies would draft a bunch of times. Now they go to, and I, I don't know if the change was made deliberate for this, but ever since I've been, you know, back in the game, the pro, the, the Grand Prix right before the Pro Tour is usually geographically very close or in the same city and same event venue as a uh, as the Pro Tour. So we had uh, Grand Prix Tokyo. Was it? No, it was Kyoto. It was in Kyoto. Okay. It was Grand Prix was in Kyoto, I believe the Pro Tour was in Tokyo. No, the Pro Tour is in, Ko- is in Kyoto. Oh, so we just bad. had a conversation about this. I know, and I still <laughs> messed it up. Yeah, it's in Miyako Mese, Japan, Kyoto Prefecture. Okay, so, but yeah, so it wasn't, in, it's not going to be in the same spot as the GP, but it's relatively close. I know Nashville, what did they have last time? Uh, so it was in the Music City Center for Nashville. The GP before it, that was in the United States, was in, uh, was in Richmond. So not... Relatively geographically close. Yeah, and, and as far as things are considered with how things are in the U.S. for transportation. So sometimes, same city, cool, but the... um. The real thing to take for this is that because of this, people can, like teams, pros will go to these GPs right before the event because it's usually limited. So they can, you know, have a bunch of sealed play, but they want to get to day two for that draft. Plus, yeah. they all get together with their teams and start testing in houses. And they'll get, like, get a B, they'll get like a B&B or whatever so that they basically just rent out a house or rent out a location. Uh, I think there's one pro team that like rented out like a boardroom in their hotel. That was um, LSV, and he named it something to troll Chion. Yeah. Um, and you would see, and they'll just, you know, play Magic on Magic Online or in person. And, you know, for them, all, you know, this, this is the, their job. All so. of the above. Like, they'll they'll yeah. have people playing Magic Online while three people are playing, three groups are playing in paper, and maybe one or two guys are, you know, going over some pack one, pick ones, and then they'll all get everybody together and draft, and then they'll, they'll only seeing, just draft. I stream. Where Ochoa and Utter Layton were in his were in his living room double queuing um, drafts. <laughs> like it's it's great that like, like we mentioned, the internet breaks this wall, so we can actually kind of peek in a little bit to like the pro's life. Uh, there have been many, like I mentioned at the top of the show, there were a lot of nice content things are being put produced to fill the gaps in the uh, in the coverage during the pro tour. You know, they have a couple lunch breaks and stuff like that. You know, they'll go to the inside R&D. But Brian David Marshall will go out to these houses for maybe a team or two and do, you know, kind of pieces on them. They, they did one for the East, uh, East-West Bowl before they became mass, you know, mass drop East, mass drop West. At, was it Honolulu? Uh, this would have been yeah, it was, uh, Ether Revolt. Yeah. So it was Honolulu, right? I don't remember if that's that was in Honolulu. Hawaii. Point point being, massive house. Yeah, they have massive houses, like these big old houses. Um, other ones have been, you know, when they've been in Valencia, they'll show the, that kind of like the little apartments and stuff like that. They'll go to the rent out, and it's really kind of cool. It's really kind of fun to see that. But that's for the pro teams. There are a lot of players who just ran, won the random RPTQ out there. So how are they testing? Well, they're kind of testing like how John and I are testing. They have a friend group. Maybe they. Have a couple of different pros. There actually was a pro team 
uh, for the Pro Tour, you know, team series, that was just a bunch of people who qualified for one of their first Pro Tours, and it was Dave, the David Adams team. A couple of basically people who you know qualified here and there. I think only one or two of them made it back to the Pro Tour for the second one, but they were just like, hey, let's just pull our resources, see if we can do really well in our first time there. There's so. also Team NorCal, um, which is just a bunch of Northern Californians who won their region, they won the RPTQs, and they formed a team and they're playing. Um, and then teams don't have to be as formalized as the ones on the Pro Tour team series because you could just have you know a bunch of you know like ten to twelve you know maybe Silver Pros or RPTQ winners who just get together via Reddit or whatever just to test and make sure that they know what the format's going to look into it because the format that really is everyone's attention at the Pro Tour is standard. Yeah. You, you need to test standard. You you do need to draft. You need to draft a lot to get a feel for what you like doing in the format. But standard is like the big chunk because you're only dealing with draft a couple times. Out of the 16 rounds, 10 of them are standard. Six of them are draft. So making sure you have a good standard deck is very important to making sure that you get to day two and have a shot at top eight. Because you can just win all your drafts, but if you go middling oh five <laughs> if you go x5 in standard but you go six zero in the draft you're out of contention because people have done math breakdowns where at x and four you have a statistical chance of making it into the um the top eight for a pro tour if you depending on the, this is also depending on event size if you're x3 and one you have a better chance so it's one of those like you need to like you basically need to look at like okay I've got essentially three losses and a tie that I can afford to give up. Do I want to sacrifice my draft? Maybe have just a complete total bomb draft and whatever, and then focus on making sure my standard deck is as good as possible. Or I know I have the in to this. I know the ins and outs of this draft strategy. I can you know kind of suffer with a a deck that'll have game against maybe a good seventy five percent of the field and hope to hope I don't don't hit my bad matchups. And speaking of standard, uh, apparently the introduction of our devastation cards and the banning of Etherworks Marvel uh, made the standard pretty good. Yeah, it's a shame that it's uh, that the the PPTU season right now is modern. Otherwise, we'd be playing it more. But uh, the various decks to watch out for: uh, mono white or blue white monument. Kind of a holdover named after. Oh. Yeah, kind of a holdover from the just the post Marvel ban of yeah. last standard. Uh, Monument being Oketra's Monument, which is the funniest card from from Amonkhet to see standard play, in my opinion. And to be archetype-driven, driving too. Dude, is kind of people hilarious. are playing it in Modern. Yeah, Modern Monument I'm not sold on yet, but it looks, it looks awesome. It's cheeky and fun. It is cheeky and fun. And what, what is Modern but cheeky and fun? Uh, Mono Red is back. Earthshaker Kenra is awesome. And people are playing Eldrazi in their Mono Red decks, which I love. Because Romanop Ruins is not a fair magic card when you are killing your opponent with it. Dude, um, deserts. We just got brief aside. The deserts, like Romanop Ruins, have been amazing. Yes, they have been. They are the best. Uh, Blue Red Control, still good. Torrential Gear Hulk and Our Devastation uh, go well together, uh, like fine wine and good, ch- and good cheese. Um, Esper or Mardu vehicles, depending on whether you want um, v- uh, Veteran Motorist and a licensed disintegration or Spell Queller. Uh, I was actually uh, reading one of LS, LSV's article on the decks to look out for, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. What decks to expect. Um, and some other ones on Channel Fireball that the ones to look out for are probably going to be Esper. Yeah. So because we'll control is big game. Yeah. Uh, Teamer Energy, still good. You know, Caster Glorybringers and Chandra's. Finally, Chandra Torch of Defiance is seeing uh, the, the amount of play that she deserves. 
Uh, and then the deck that kind of has surprised everyone, um, to Zach Elsick's dismay, uh, mono white or blue white God Pharaoh's gift. Now, let me <laughs> let me tell you about a deck that is crazy, but also insanely popular and could potentially be just ridiculously good. Um, so I'm trying to find an example of it, but it basically looks to cheat. It uses the um. It uses Refurbish, which is four, three and a white, return target artifact from a graveyard to play, to put God Pharaoh's Gift, which is a seven mana artifact, which, in case you are unfamiliar with its rules text, at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. It gains haste until end of turn. Now, it also is running Gate to the Afterlife, which is the card from Amonkhet that f- was like the, hey, look, there's that this card. It fetches it. <laughs> it fetches it and puts it in the battlefield. But no, it's running like it's running Mausoleum Wanderers, Minister of Inquiries. Thrill yourself. Yeah, to put that stuff in the yard. Thraben Inspector, because it's just a solid card. Uh, Champion of Wits, Angel Invention, and Cataclysmic Gear Hulk, because getting those back and just wiping boards is ridiculous. Also, getting back Angel of Invention and making a 6-6 Flying Vigilance Lifelink Haste is really good. It's it's very good. Uh, there's a reason that card went from being like a dollar to now eight or nine dollars. Unfindable. Because, yeah. yeah um, so, funny about that, I actually tweeted, retweeted someone mentioning like, hey, this card is get, you know starting to sell out. One of my friend, when someone I know who follows me on Twitter is like, hey, uh, I might have bought out GP Toronto of this card once you t- retweeted that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> my bad. Uh, there was a, there was one tweet I saw where somebody apparently ran into a, a Japanese LGS saying, "Do you have any copies of Angel Invention?" They said no, and it's like, man, they're sold out everywhere. Yep. So this is one of those things where like having a big testing team maybe would have been able to keep that kind of thing in house, kind of like how basically like this is one of those decks that has game against a lot of the format. And say for instance, this kind of thing had uh, the mono Eldrazi, the mono color Eldrazi deck from you know pro tour oath and gatewatch if that had leaked out somehow because that deck came out of nowhere yeah had that deck like slipped out through somebody testing on magic online and 5-0ing a league or two and this is also where like only getting five league pulls kind of you might have a deck slip through the cracks and be lucky otherwise you know this deck hits the the 5-0 deck list everyone's like that deck looks crazy i'm gonna play it Enough people start playing it, more people start 5 owing and it snowballs. That's kind of what happened. White God, white, uh, white blue God's Pharaoh gift came out of nowhere to win an online PTQ. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this took down a PTQ, you say? Let's start playing it. And everyone's like, oh, this deck is good. Yeah, and now that this deck is a known quantity, people are going to commit sideboard slots to it or figure out whether or not their deck has a good matchup against it. And, you know, you're going to see people start playing Crooked Condemnation or Scavenger Grounds as ways of interacting favorably against this deck which think if this deck went into the pro tour unknown yeah i think it would just wreck house because no one expected it yeah i i honestly think that and i feel really bad for zach because he's just like man but let's put it this way zach elsick is a great deck brewer oh my just, god he's his mind just works on different levels um now everyone's like oh yeah he built lantern no no no. the community built lantern that man put it on the map yeah but he uh, can also brew his own Blue Steel is a is a deck of his. Um, I saw Saffron Olive play against it, uh, which is a pretty hilarious deck. It's a Grand Arbiter deck, or not Grand Arbiter? Uh, yeah, Grand Arbiter. Yeah, the, it's the mono the blue, blue guy from Scars that makes 
artifacts blue. Um, yep. And, yep. Have, and have some tap for mana. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so it's for these kind of like these small edges to break the format. Like, would Zach having that thing being kept under wraps have possibly, if he had been on like a larger testing team, he actually was kind of semi-joking about it. I'm like, oh, if I had a larger testing team, you know, whatever yeah. kind of thing like that. Um, but yeah, so we mentioned Magic Online, and I forgot about this, and John is rapidly highlighting to bring my attention to it. Uh, <laughs> Not on purpose, I swear. No. Uh, today, Magic Online, for people who unfortunately might not have a huge testing team and rely on it heavily for tra- uh, for practice if you know don't live near a place, like for instance, Pro, Pro Tour winner Sean McLaren practiced for that win based on based, practically on Magic Online by himself and with his, bro- yep. and with his brother. But it was down today for an extended yeah. minutes. It was having lag and people were having issues with leagues. They had to bring it down for a large amount of time. It's one of those, if you're pushing this as, you know, your your big format or your big way to play online without having to worry about, you know, minimal downtime, having the downtime right now, literally the day before the Pro Tour, kind of a crazy thing. Yeah, we're not going to get into the issues with Magic Online right now. Oh, no, we're not. Needless to say. But it's one thing, it's one thing that's kind of like, it can put a wrinkle in your plans if that's how you're anticipating on, you know, practicing. It's, you know, a yeah. little a little worrisome. However, uh, it's kind of interesting to see what will come out of it. Um, will we see a rogue deck in standard? Possibly. Somebody might be making a metagame call. What's funny to mention, what's funny to note is we didn't mention green-black constrictor. I mean, the deck's still around. It's just, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's around. Um it's it's not even really more of the um, the token strategy nowadays. It's it's basically green black energy is what it's transitioned yeah. over to. And also pummel are still around, zombies are still around, but they're not yeah. kind of the those are like the tier one point five tier two decks. So there it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Highly recommend it. I will see you guys in chat for that one because I'll be moderating my butt off. I'll yeah. try to because it's so like we said, it starts at five p.m. on Thursday Pacific time. My time. It's like, well, okay. I can miss like the last like three, four rounds of the day, but still, ugh. Thankfully, yeah. yeah, but it's like on a Thursday. It's not like, oh no, no, the Pro Tour starts on Friday. It's like, yeah, Friday in Japan. <laughs> yeah, everyone forgets that part. Because like I said, time zones are fun. Uh, Yay. Time. Ask someone who's lived in Hawaii for two years and had to deal with a six to five hour time difference to Eastern time zone. Dude. When Hawaii doesn't observe daylight savings time. Dude, Afghanistan. Yeah, you kind of went on that. One. I had like a ten to thirteen hour time difference depending on where you were at in the country. Uh, <laughs> that was a pain. Yeah. That was a pain. Like dealing with friends of mine who were in Seattle, it was like a thirteen and a half hour time difference. Yeah, nor- nor- normally I win the uh, the time zone wars, not against Ian. No, nice not try, buddy. Ian. Nice try. <laughs> no, so but for testing wise, there's like we said, kind of to wrap it up, put a nice little bow on it. There's a lot of different ways. You can test in paper with your friends. You can goldfish it by yourself. There's magic online. If you're a pro or you happen to get to higher levels, find a testing team. Maybe at your local game store, there's a bunch of like-minded players who you might hang out with or you might play against them and see them a bunch of times. If they haven't, be like, yo, let's just get a little testing team together, kind of that. We can play multiple formats, you know, kind of pull card advantage, um, make a bunch of, you know, gauntlets with proxy cards and stuff like that. And by proxies, I mean a slip of paper over the thing, not going out and buying counterfeits, just wanted to say that. Yeah. Uh, I believe the official terminology is a playtest cards. There you go. That's it. So <laughs> get some playtest cards going on with your friends. Make some gauntlets. Do that. There's a whole bunch of different fun things to do. Um, really, 
my recommendation, and this is kind of my cap on it, find what works for you in terms of either gold fishing, playing with friends on paper, or playing online and streaming. If you can stream, stream. If you get five people watching your stream, even if you get two or three, that's still two or three people watching that could potentially be interested in your play, and they could help you walk you through it. And for me, I know I was having crowds of like 15 to 20, 30, just tuning in, watching my streams, like, you know, making comments on my play. Grand, you know, it's a little bit of lag, so run a little bit short on time, but it's still people, you know, can interact with and be like, oh, yeah, you missed this particular line back here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I could have actually had the mana to. I know one time I had, I played a, um, I forget the prism name for it. It's not prophetic, oh, prismatic lens, which can tap for a mana. Now I'm used. To, I've used to playing just prophetic prism, which doesn't tap for mana. You have to pay into it. That's all it does. So I played a prismatic lens past the turn. And like, well, you could have tapped your prismatic lens and played your expedition map. And I'm like, oh right, cool. Thanks for reminding me of that because this is a card that I hadn't played with. They pointed out something that I missed. So I believe the actual line was you just didn't play it. No, oh, because I missed it. Yeah. Uh, we can also they can point out when you take the Rontron land off of an expedition map. Okay, that happened once <laughs> and it did kind of hose me, but thanks. It's not a mistake you would make in paper. No, absolutely not. No, I yeah. kind of goofed on that one. And they're like, yeah. you took the wrong land because I'm used to basically not having tower and just going straight for tower and I grabbed yeah. tower. Um, yeah. Uh, also, on Magic Online, make sure you don't misclick. Uh, I had an opponent misclick against me when they had lethal on board. They were going to make a 10 power Ink Moth Nexus. And they accidentally sacked their Nexus to their Ravager. And I was like, lols, I'm sorry. This is a competitive league. That's the client for you. Stop, stop, stop misclicking. <laughs> but anyways, that's going to do it for us. Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do that? You guys can find me online on Twitter at DixonIJ, D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. I mentioned I will be streaming some more both the pro tour going on i forgot about the time zone difference and i was like man so i'll be around for some of the early drafts in the chat i'll probably pop my own stream on for a little bit not a whole lot maybe an hour or two tomorrow and friday to get a couple more rounds of pauper in but i'll probably play on my own as well john where can they find you you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 and you can find me on twitch by the same handle if you see me in a chat room don't hesitate to say hi uh, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at Eyes on Demise on Twitter. And if you have a more personal question, shoot us an email at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. As always, we'd love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our faithful listeners. Thank you all so much for following along as we talk about testing. And we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>